What a, man, I, I got the right morning to be scheduled to teach this morning for sure. But, uh, well, good morning, everyone. Um, we, um, I'm excited about the word the Lord has for you. And um, I'm confident in bringing it to you. Um, it's, um, it comes from a, a word I shared a, about a month or so ago with our, our young adults. And after I shared that word, there was like three people, you know, one immediately after, and then another one came on the way out saying, Pastor Joe, that's a word for our church. And I said, well, there's, there'll be an opportunity. There'll be an opportunity for me to share it. And um, so this is the morning I get to share that with you. But then it was even confirmed um, this past week, Pastor Paul and I, we were uh, out riding and, um, and he was just talking about um, our midweek study. Um, if you're not familiar with it, we, are, we have been, for the last over a year, we've been going through all of the Apostle Paul's letters, you know, to the churches. And it's been a great journey, you know. Um, in fact, all you, all, shaking my heads, all you Wednesday night people, right? You're all, and, it, and Pastor Paul just kind of voluntarily said, you know, there's some really good teaching in our midweek study. And, um, and we go deep and we take some time, we go verse by verse, and we've just been pounding through all of the letters, you know, all the churches he had planted, he's encouraging them. And he said, man, it'd be great to see um, our, our, those who can't be here on Wednesdays or don't go online. Um, he called you the Sunday morning crew, you know, if they can get some of this teaching. And I said, man, you know what, I'm going to be in the Apostle Paul's letter this Sunday. I go, I'm glad you shared that because we're going to bring some of that you know, into, um, into Sunday mornings. And then right after I taught, we're in Colossians, by the way. Um, so come and join us. And then um, I had a chance to teach on midweek and Gerald came up to me afterward. He said, Pastor Joe, everybody needs to be here. Everybody needs to be here. You know, and it, it just is hard to, um, just, it's so good to get into the word, isn't it? I know many of you schedules don't allow you to, um, to be in there, but you can catch all of the teachings on um, all of our channels. You can catch up on YouTube, um, our website, um, even Facebook. So if you ever miss a teaching, those resources are available to you, but I prefer to see you all face-to-face. -face. And, um, and you get me this morning. And, and I'm encouraged to share with you a message that I call The Simple Life. It's called The Simple Life. Maybe that's a, kind of a clickbait. I don't know. But, um, but, you know, the simple life, what is it about us, our nature? Don't we tend to complicate things, right? Things that can be extremely simple, um, we tend to um, make a mess of things, if you know what I'm saying. And um, we have been studying Paul's letter, and he's been laying this strong foundation with all the churches, and, um, and he's been working with this one church with all the new believers, and he planted this church, and where we're going to be is in um, the book of 1 Thessalonians. So you can get your Bible out um, or your app out. And by the way, if you go to our church app, download it, and you can find, um, you know, um, the notes. Everything's there. The, the scripture verses, another resource for you. And um, he's, he's encouraging the, the church in Thessalonica. He's He's encouraging, they're facing opposition, like many of the letters, and he's writing actually from Corinth, and he's sending Timothy to see how they're doing. He wants to check in on him to encourage them, so consider this maybe a checkup for you. Um, what's so great about this letter, unlike many other letters, it's considered, this is the very first letter, obviously he's actually in prison, that he actually penned. 
In, in the first letter he penned, many of them, he's, he's kind of, you know, the people are, are scribing them. But this letter, this is from the Apostle Paul's old hand, and he's, he's writing them this letter. And it's a really, they consider like an introduction, some foundations to Christian life. And, um, but when it comes to life, and I'm going to suggest to you that life is simple. Life, it's so simple. But the challenge with life Life in itself is simple. The challenge is that it has to be lived out, right? It's, it's, it's a simple life, but it has to be lived out. Um, in fact, when you're struggling maybe with um, a marriage or a job or just struggling with people, oftentimes they will share with you, and you know these, um, these cliches and these, um, these, these kind of punchy answers when life is hard, they will say something like, trust in the... Lord, or get lost in Jesus, right? There's several things you do. You, know, you, you focus on you, right? Don't worry about everybody else. You just focus on you. Um, and there are some simple life sayings that are actually kind of pretty hard to live out. And I want to I keep this going because um, have you heard of this one? Live each day as if it was your last, right? Um, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get up. You guys are good at the simple life. Very good. Here's a, a true one. All things work together for the good for those who love God. If you're going through hell, just keep going. Oh, you haven't heard of that one, right? And you're saying, man, that's a word for me this morning, right? If you're going through hell, just keep going. Don't make things more complicated than they need to be. And I, I have tried this one, and I, I have failed horribly. I bet you can't eat just one. I fail every time with that one, especially when it comes to my wife's salsa. You know, and, and I try to do, I, sometimes I try to eat one. I just did it this morning, by the way. I mean, I'm right with the rebuke. Because I, sometimes I try to take just the one piece of the donut, and then I always go back and get another piece. Anybody with me, right? Right? Yeah. So life can't be super simple, right? So let's, let's turn to Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse 12. And he's encouraging the believers there. They're going through some challenging. And, and notice this, this encouraging word he's going to share with them, and then we're going to unpack it. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely what? Do it. Nike wasn't the first one, okay? It is, it is definitely the Lord. It's the Apostle Paul. He says that he will do it. He notice he's giving them some very simple answers. 
for some very challenging, challenging issues in, in, that, in that culture. He's telling them, listen, I want you to make some good decisions. I want you to be patient with all people. Don't pay evil with evil. And if it appears to be evil, just stay away. Just stay away. You know, Scripture says, don't even have the, don't give them excuse to speak evil of you. Okay? These are the kind of instructions I remember when I used to take my, well, I do still take some of them, but most of them are all driving, and I don't know how they get to school, but they get to school. But when I would take them to school, these are the kind of basic instructions I would, you know, share with my kids as I was kind of dropping them off at school, you know, make some good decisions, you know, and be patient, you know. In fact, when it comes to the, the start, and I want to I hone in on verse 18, I want to encourage you to start, this is how you start the simple life. This is how you can start. If you can start every day here, boy, life would be a lot simpler. And it's in verse 18 where he told them this. Give what? Thanks in all circumstances. You might say, I mean, he goes, this is God's will for you. If you're wondering what God's will is for your life, I just read it to you. He wants you to be thankful. He wants you to be thankful. That's God's word for you. That, that, he wants you to have a thankful heart. You know, Psalms 100, it says, enter into his courts with what? thanksgiving and praise. There's a reason why we come into the house of God. Aren't you appreciating that, that, that word, that, that worship time and that celebration? Even the kids can't video, all that. I'm thankful for all of it, right? That's the simple life. If we can start our day with a thankful heart, and if we can keep a thankful heart, the Bible says everything will work out for the what? For the good. Now, this issue when it comes to gratitude and how it affects our brain, um, science, all kinds of science, and, and in fact, there's been studies that have done on gratitude and the brain, okay? Um, I, just, I, just, I just read this stuff. I, I, don't, I don't study it, by the way, but there's some doctors here that can do this. I think it's not far-fetched, but they have done some studies that gratitude and a thankful heart, it actually reduces depression and anxiety, as you know, there's chemical stuff that happens in our brain, things that trigger in us, that when we're grateful or when we're not grateful, one of the big celebrity um, gals that, you know, she's got, she writes books, her name is Emily Fletcher, you may have heard of her, she's supposed to be the guru when it comes to a grateful heart, she works with really popular athletes, and they go to her, and notice what she says about gratitude, being, having a thankful heart, she says this, when we express gratitude and receive the same, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our emotions, and they make us feel good. They enhance our mood, immediately making us feel happy from the inside. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. Now, you may not be a big fan of Emily Fletcher, but I mean, uh, one of my favorite um, um, speakers was Zig Ziglar. You know, I come from a business background. Um, and all of you Zig Ziglar fans, he's, no, he's now gone to be with the Lord. Um, I have a, a, a business background. I would go to many of his conferences. And um, a, a man of God, a man of God. And he said that gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The healthiest. Now, for all you UCLA fans, I got one from UCLA. 
It says, the Mindful Awareness Research from UCLA, this is from UCLA, the Mindful Awareness Research Center, stated that gratitude does change the neural structures in the brain and makes us feel happier and more content. Feeling grateful and appreciating others when they do something good for us triggers good hormones and regulates effective functioning on the immune system. So scientists have suggested, scientists, by the way, have suggested by activating the reward center of the brain, gratitude exchange alters the way we see the world and we see our what? Selves. Man, some really smart stuff. The scientists have studied this and they're saying that there's chemical stuff happening in the brain and that what happens in our thought life physically impacts us. Man, imagine if they would have just started by reading the Bible in the first place. Science is always catching up to what the Word of God has been teaching for years. What the Word of God is teaching for years. I'm not even going to charge you for that one. I'm not even going to charge you tuition for this one. Okay? But I believe that many of us need to redirect our thoughts and start focusing on Jesus. You know, take whatever's going wrong in your life, you know, take off whatever's going wrong in your life and put your focus on what everything is going right in your life, and that his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And many of us have some serious battles because when you get into the presence of Jesus, you know what you find, what I have found? I think we're finding this morning, you find a true sense of joy, freedom. You know, I'm looking at Pastor Scott. He gave us a little 60-minute little plug during the week on his social media about, about that, about the presence of the Lord. You know, Psalm 16, it says, you will show me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. But the hard part is to remain there. Why is it so hard to be thankful? Why is it so hard to have a, a grateful, thankful heart? Well, we live in a world that is always built, especially in our Western world, to want more and to have better. The world is always trying to convince you that whatever you have is not enough. It could be a bigger house, a better car, a working car, right? More followers, more likes. It could be living in a different state, different friends. The constant message is, look at this is what you need. And we were talking, he was doing the same thing when he's encouraging the, the church in Colossae. And he's going over these things you need to get rid of. And one of them was covetousness, to covet. And one of the brothers came up to me after the teaching, and he says, man, I, that one gets me, covet. And he's sharing me his story. He goes, man, I got all these degrees, and, and, I, and I, had, I, had all the, I had this career, but I, I've experienced some health challenges. And now, you know, I, because of my health challenges and just life, I'm, I'm not at the place I thought I'd be. I'm working in a job that, and I look at what, where other people are at in their careers, and I'm, you know, financially, I'm not where I thought I'd be, and I struggle with that. Maybe you're here this morning, you're online, and you thought, man, I thought I'd be further along in life. You know, I thought, man, I put all this hard work in. And he goes, I got a constant, he goes, you know what I do, Pastor Joe? And he looked down, it was great, because he has sang his kids and his wife, and they're coming down church. He goes, but boy, I am so grateful for what God has given me. And he goes, but, 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 he, but he goes, that battle, it's, it's challenging for me. And then I had another testimony that came forward, you know, coming forward. You see, the devil... He's the deceiver. And when, you, when it comes to this deception about 
you know, deceiving us about having a grateful heart. I mean, you can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? Back to the garden. The very, very first temptation. They're there in Adam and Eve. And, and they, in fact, the devil was trying to convince them that they're missing something. They, they need, they're missing out. That God is a liar. That he's robbed them. That this life that he's giving you, there's so much more better. And the devil convinced them that they're missing out. I mean, you go back to Genesis chapter 2 where he's in the garden. The Lord commands them. And he's telling them, listen, do not eat of that, eat that tree on the garden. He goes, but the, of the, don't eat of that, of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you eat it, God's word, his promise to them is like, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. And the, the devil deceived them. No, this life you have, this, this life you have with God, you're missing out. There's something better. And what did he say? You can read about it in verse 4, 3 verse 4. It says, the servant said to the woman, you are not going to die. You see, God, that's, that's Satan. He's always tempting you to believe that God's word is not true, that you've been lied to. You know, I was having, um, boy, I meet with a lot of people this week. I went right with Pastor Paul, had breakfast with David Dickens, and, and he's, a, he's a friend of mine and a friend of our church, and he does work with um, trauma and the mental health community. And uh, we were having this conversation, and he was sharing with me how he deals with people with mental illness and trauma. And he deals, the way he works with them, he talks about deception, perception, and interpretation. And he has to retrain the way people think when it comes to their trauma and also when it comes to their overall health. And he talks about, even in 2 Corinthians, the amplified, I like the amplified version because it's louder, right? That's why I like the, the amplified version sometimes. But it, it, notice what he says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, but I'm afraid that even as the serpent, right, beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted. And I like this because it says this in my, my, because it has a simple life. And you've been led away by the simplicity. Say simplicity of your seer and pure devotion to Christ. What an opposite message we hear from the world. The world is always saying you don't just need Jesus. I mean, this is very, very true when you come to missionaries who go all over the world, and I've been to some needy areas, and you present the gospel, and they're hungry for it. But Westerners, no, we got, you know, you keep at arm's distance. And you come to the States, and you don't, you know, you don't need Jesus, you know, you turn on the radio and all you need is a, a beer in your hand, a cool pickup truck, and your life is good, you know. I mean, I'm, you know, Darius Rucker has that sign, says, the only thing I need is, is beers and sunshine, right? But people believe that. People live by, that's their motto. And millions of lives have been destroyed by it. I mean, there's another song by Brad Paisley, it's called The Whiskey Lullaby, and the whole song is about a dude who killed himself because his girlfriend broke up with him. And when the girlfriend breaks up with him, she's all broken about it. And guess what she starts doing? She starts drinking. And then she starts, and then, and then she takes her own life. And this is like, man, man, what a great song. Right? What a great truth. You know, there's a reason why it's called the spirit, by the way. Because the Bible is very clear about warning against false spirits. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. It says, if you, if, um, if you seem willing to allow it, if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached 
Or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, if you tolerate it, you're welcoming deception. You're welcoming deception. I can give you a list. In fact, you can go on YouTube, you can go on your own TV. They make biographies about this stuff, about people who are overdosed consuming their own lyrics, right? Their own drug that they platformed, their own drug they sing about, the only lifestyle they sing about, and all it left to, as Ecclesiastes said, is to ruin, to ruin. You know, some of us old-timers now, we're recently, you know, recently Alice Cooper, and then, of course, you have, you know, Johnny Cash, who came to the Lord and said, listen, now they're writing songs that saying, you know, we've lied to you. What a lie that was. You see, the world says you don't need to be content with worshiping Jesus, that Jesus is not enough. Because in our world, you know, we're living in a world, amidst of all this challenging times, everything we have going on, you know, um, we have the most prosperous nation in the world. In world standards, we're, we're growing, you know, leaps and bounds. But yet, in all of our prosperity, we have a people struggling with, you know, anxiety and depression like never before. And um, a, f- a few, when I was sharing this word, a few months back, Pastor was given our end times teaching. And I'm grateful for um, the prophetic voice of what the Bible says of what's really happening in the world. And there was a certain teaching where pastor talked about the great reset. In fact, that teaching caused so many people to be moved so much, they actually removed it from YouTube. You can't find it on YouTube. They removed it. And it, and it warned about these dark times ahead. You know, and, we, and we're talking about the reality of where we are prophetically as a nation, as a people, in, the time, in God's timetable. By the way, you can pick up all those messages on our um, website, so there's plenty of chance for you to pick that up. But in that... Um, the, the content, in fact, what Paul is saying is that, listen, it's not about the things that you have because people are going to have a, a rude awakening. You know, when everything is taken from you and everything is, when it's challenging, that, that, you know, listen, Jesus is enough. He is enough. And if, and if you live in a place, you know, and maybe you don't, you're saying, you know what, I, I'm at that place where the simple life, where Jesus is enough that my joy is not consumed of the things of this world, that my joy is only found in Him. And can I tell you this? If you live that way, you will stand up. You will stand out. You will be a witness. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. You, know, you may be the one at the concert, but you'll be the one, maybe not acting like the, the, the idiot anyway, but at the same time, you could be the one that's having the greatest time of all. Because the homes that don't, and the homes that do, but that's why it says here, it says that now we're not to be thankful because of all the brokenness. We're not to be thankful because of all the challenges or all our car problems. Instead, we're told to be renewed by the renewing of our mind because we have a proper perspective of the patterns of this world and we understand the work that Jesus is doing in the world. Amen? And what separates us from everybody else is that we do have Jesus. That's why he says in Colossians, to go back to our teaching here in midweek, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you. And then we ask that you would be filled with all knowledge of his will and all wisdom, spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened in all might, 
all patience, long-suffering, and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. There's an inheritance waiting for you. And he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. we, We can share scriptures like this on and on and on and on. Yet we have these incredible promises, yet we're just as grumpy, just, just as we, we, we behave like the world, right? We're just as upset, yet we have Jesus. Now, I am probably the most, one of the most guiltiest persons when it comes to going from zero to 100 like that. <laughs> I mean, you can have, get up, think, well, man, what a good word. And you can leave this, this thing and something. In fact, first, I, we were sharing that on, on midweek. And he goes, man, Pastor Joe, you know what, that, that word? But for me, as soon as I get in my car, man, I lose it all. You know, for me, you know, man, I get on these freeways and, 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 and there's triggers, you know. For me, I could be like even preparing a word. I could be in a Starbucks or something and I could be in the word preparing and all of a sudden the internet goes out. What is going on? You know, you know, or if I go, oh, I get over to home. I can't wait to go and relax with the family and everyone's around and I'm there and I go to grab my remote. Where's the remote? You know, who has, who had the remote last? You know, and and all of a sudden the great day is being challenged by a certain trigger that we knew this. We lose gratitude so quickly, don't we? So quickly. And can I encourage you that the Lord knew this would happen? You know, you look, look at Deuteronomy and all the things that God did for his people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, When the Lord God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers Abraham and to Jacob to give you and a great and good cities that you did not build, houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and all the trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and you are full, then take care lest you what? Forget the Lord. He's the one who brought you out of Egypt. He's the one who brought you out of slavery. Because so many of us think that thankfulness is tied to our circumstances. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to be inconvenienced. And here we are, the Apostle Paul's in prison. The people are being persecuted. And he said, listen, I want you to be thankful in all circumstances because God is doing something good. God is, God is doing a work in you. God is... <laughs> he says, you can do this. Do you want to know what the number one Googled verse, the number one Googled verse, so anybody who Googles a verse, the, the number one Googled verse on the internet right now that people most Google is Philippians 4.8. That's the number one on the search engine talking about a prophetic word for a people. And Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And with what? Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you may ask, say, you know, Pastor Joe, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the hardships I've experienced. Well, you know, I know the Apostle Paul has probably experienced what you've experienced and probably a whole lot more. Someone who's qualified to write what this most Googled verse was. In fact, Paul later says in that same, that same chapter, he says, I know what it is to live with 
and I know what it is to live without. In fact, many people, they, they, they Google that one, but they don't finish it out. And he says, I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in. Everywhere, in all things, I have learned. So this is something that needs to be learned. Not just caught, but learned. I mean, this is true discipleship. I learn how to be hungry, to abound, and to suffer need. But listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that you do not have to be in denial of your circumstance, but to be, but to be thankful, you must be in denial of who God is not to be. You must be denial of the truth to say that I can't have a grateful heart. How can I be thankful during suffering and during loss? How? Because it seems like every single day, I mean, that's how they have ads and campaigns, right? The news, it's all about, you know, every day there's heavy news. And I get heavy news every day. You get heavy news every day. Whether it be in your personal life, whether it be on the TV, I mean, it makes headlines. You know, that, that, that happens all the time. And that's why the Bible says, I think that's the reason why the Bible says pray without what? Ceasing. You know, and you have a choice to make. All of us have a choice to make. Am I going to battle this out with the Lord? Or am I going to be bitter and ungrateful? What is the choice I make? Am I going to start thankful for that doctor that I don't really care for? <laughs> am I going to be grateful for the health that I actually have, the time I have? the marriage I have, the things that I don't deserve. Start building gratitude. It's a daily thing, you know, gratitude. You know, for me, if things get really heavy for me, if I, if I have too many Diet Cokes or it may not be for you, could not be an alcohol, but man, you can really pound a gallon of ice cream like that. You know, you know things are tough, you know, and that's, that, I'm serious, you know, because here's the issue. You can be thankful while you're getting ready for your breakthrough. You can be thankful while you know that the victory is ahead, that God is going to see you through this. And why I believe this is so important because um, people in our day and age, they're losing their minds. The decisions that are being made, you know, that prophetic word about the great reset, it's so important that I believe that God is calling you and the reason why you're receiving this word is because you're, gonna, you're the hope of the world. When people are all in anxiety, stress, and they're panicking, the Bible says, I'm looking for people who are going to have a sound mind. That you're going to have that wisdom and that discernment to navigate these dark days ahead and do it with a true joy. And God is calling us to have a sound mind. That's why First Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. The enemy is crawling, resist him, stand firm in your faith. And in 2 Timothy 1 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Because today, fear is the driving force in our world. Fear is what motivates all the headlines. And fear is one of Satan's favorite deceivers. He wants to grip you. He wants to grab a hold of you. He wants to confuse your irrational thoughts. But you can have a new mind. You don't have to conform to the patterns of this world, as it says in Romans 12. It says, when you don't, you present your, then you can have, you can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. A sound mind is a healthy mind. It's linked to our attitudes, our overlook, our cares, our problems. We're to be alert, 
and people are depending on it. People are needing people to have a sound mind, to be guarded. Because it says here, it says when, you, when you rest on this, it says that finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is lowly, lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. And I would add, pray about those things. Let that be your prayer life. Because we have a world that's in, in turmoil. And I believe that we're called to bring that to, to, to bring, that stabilizes our, our nation. You know, there's things that are already happening. And this is already happening, by the way. You know, the, the people, people are losing their minds, and, and, and the church is rising up, guys. I don't know if you noticed, but God's doing incredible work. We might not be so excited about the White House, but you could be really excited about what's happening in the Supreme Court. And there's, there's, we just had Roe versus Wade just transform. Just, a, 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 just last year we're celebrating, and, and it continues. I mean, if about, about six to eight months ago, we were up here talking about what's happening in our own school districts, how the battle has been lost. But have you heard the update? There's been certain people on the board that have been, been voted off, and these strong, they said enough's enough. The church has taken a stand, so we're bringing a sound mind to this madness, and there's been a turn in our local school districts. There's been a battle that's being fo- moving forward. I just came off the mountain from the kids' camp that'll blow your mind. God is on the move. Right? We need people that are believing, not people that are cowering, people that are going on the offensive and declaring that truth. Your kids need to see it, to be battle ready, to be tested ready. And it starts in the mind. I know so many families and people that have been destroyed because they cowered it down. But Paul recognizes that God's Spirit says, listen, it yields to obedience, to right living, to moral judgment. He says, from the inside out, the transforms who you are. That's why I would love to close with this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. It says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord? Who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. What a, what a beautiful time to be living. You know, that, you know, we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. In the context of that um, verse that we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you read the full chapter, which you don't have time to do that, it's speaking about the day of the Lord. It's speaking about the return of Christ. It says in those days, it'll be like, a, like birth pains. There'll be evil on the earth. But in the midst of it all, you be thankful. You have a sound mind. Knowing that I'm doing a good work, behold, I'm making all things new. The old is gone and the new will come. But the language of the, of, the, of the Bible is that language of endurance. But you endure. You press on. You fight the fight of the battle. Will we be that church that will be ready? Because it's in the last days, people will not be ready. People will cower down. Instead of going for the Holy Spirit, they're going to be grabbing a different spirit. And they're going to fall away. Many will fall away. But you be strong. You be sober-minded. You fight the good fight of faith. And you walk in the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to receive that? Are you ready to walk in that? Ready to rejoice in that? Pray with us. We have the worship team coming up. Let's, um, we want to we wanna, uh, continue in that. I'm just so grateful for um, this opportunity we have to um, 
come to a place. But I know, you know, hearing a word like this, the truth is many of us are struggling with anxiety, are struggling with depression. They know this truth, but the deceiver has come. And God's giving you a new lens. Maybe you've, um, there's people here, I sense there's people here, even you're saying, Pastor Joe, that's me, I've been, I've been drinking way too much. I've been losing my mind. I've been crying myself to sleep. I'm at a crossroad. But for you, the healer is in the room. God wants to transform the way you think. In fact, we're going to invite the worship teams up, and we're going to invite the prayer team to come on up. And as you come forward, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. If you want to agree with someone in prayer, this is an opportunity for, as the worship team comes. We're going to have a ministry time. But for the rest of us, can we all just stand? Can we all stand? And, and, um, and we're standing in, in an act of, of being those vessels of a sound mind. So Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that we would come to that place of belief. For some of us, we've, um, we've struggled with unbelief. Just as you thought God has been lying to you. You thought that God has caused these things and he's abandoned you. But the truth is that God loves you. He sees you. He sees where you're at. And he's calling out to you. Will you call on the name of Jesus? Will you call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are. You came to this world dying on that cross. And whoever will believe in him will not perish and have everlasting life. And because you conquered the death, Lord, you can bring new life. That I can be transformed. But I am a new creation. So church, stand as a new creation. If you believe in that with faith, that Jesus did come to set you free, body, soul, and mind. Thank you, God, for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's worship, church.